Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, good morning to you. So I lied. Uh, Joanne is not here. Joanne? Oh, she's not here. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm disappointed. I'm so sore, some of you, I know. Um, she called me at 8 o'clock this morning, and she's just not not feeling great today, uh, full of apology, and uh, and I assured her it's no problem, and uh, we'll look forward to her coming on uh, at, a, at a later date. I just want to, you know, she's a 90-year-old woman, by the way, uh, living an extremely packed life uh, with a lot of, you know, a lot of, a lot of people pulling at her that they wanted to do this, wanted to do that, which is why I've always been loath to bother her. And uh, this makes me, uh, again, increasingly less <laughs> so. Um, she's also a night owl, by the way, so uh, this would be, this is early. And I, I know I texted her last night and said, uh, you know, because she had said she was really excited about coming on, and I texted her back and I said, I really appreciate it, and I'm especially knowing that I'll be rousting you uh, out uh, well before you usually like to. I, sometimes, you know, I'll wake up uh, in the morning and I'll check my my messages and my email, and uh, always, not anymore, but I uh, used to be stunned by the fact that at like midnight or after midnight, she had texted me something. And I, I'm thinking, oh my God, I'd been in bed for two hours, so I don't see it until the morning. She's uh, she's definitely a, a creature of the night. So her stomach ain't uh, being good to her today, so we'll... Wish her well, and uh, I'll wait and see when she wants to uh, maybe come on. I, I just think this is, it's too early for, damn, whatever. Okay, so that leaves us, uh, I must say, I hadn't paid a lot of attention to things uh, yesterday, just knowing that uh, I didn't have to, <laughs> which is a wonderful break for me. But, as usual, the, um, God, living in Trump world is, um, you know, it's, it, it, I just had an image in my head. It's sort of like, you know, those old, uh, those old, uh, what do you call them? The, the games, uh, not video games. What was it? What, what did they call uh, games before, you know, they'd be in bars and you'd uh, flip, pinball, thank you. And ball wizard, you know those retro. I feel sort of like I, that that we're all now knowing what it's like to be the little silver ball, <laughs> you know, bang, 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 bang. It's just it's just constant, right? And and there's this this sense that at least to me that we're we're getting closer to some kind of big uh, conflagration because uh, Mueller appears to be closing in and uh, Trump appears to be more and more 
unstable and uh, in the thrall increasingly of uh, people who aid and abet him in his worst impulses. And uh, that puts all of us, that would be the United States and uh, the world, in, in jeopardy, I, I think. I mean, this is no laughing matter, which is why I, I really do have trouble joking about it. Uh, and all the shows that have spun off, the, especially the late night shows that like use Trump as fodder, I can't enjoy them. I don't know why. It's just, well, I do know why. It's too serious, <laughs> actually, to laugh at. So the thing that um, I find sort of fascinating that apparently uh, Mueller is is zeroing in on and which is making the president so volatile more volatile is that we now know that the warrant uh, that was used to gain access to the files of uh, the president's attorney uh, specifically mentioned Donald Trump's name that's a first and we're looking for things that you thought, like, what? Looking for things having to do with the Access Hollywood tape, the tape from before Trump's election, uh, the infamous tape when he, of course, bragged about uh, access to women's private parts by virtue of his celebrity. Um, and... I guess initially there's like, what? Why would he be after that? But it's clear that he's looking at a pattern involving Michael Cohen, the president's attorney, in his guise, not necessarily of attorney, but of fixer. And so they were looking for stuff about Stormy Dam Daniels, about uh, McDougal, who I believe is the uh, ex-Playboy bunny who's uh, making allegations, and payoffs. And, you know, payoffs in and of themselves, I guess, are not criminal, but in as much as they sub circumvent or subvert campaign finance laws because the payoffs are meant to silence people whose revelations could have an impact on an election. Um, and there was a flurry, it appears, of payoffs <laughs> being made that by their timing appear to be exactly that. Uh, efforts to silence people uh, who had information that would or could uh, influence Trump's ability to uh, win the election. So how much hush money got paid out to how many people, whether or not there had been an effort to do the same to the Hollywood, ac uh, uh, the Access Hollywood tape, um, 
And another interesting thing that I heard some people drawing a timeline, this was on CNN, the day, we forget, again, it's the sort of uh, the pinball effect, the day that we were gobsmacked by that audio recording of the president on the bus uh, before he goes in to tape something, um, a program for, I guess, Access Hollywood. Uh, that same day, so that dropped the audio tape. And then, I'm not sure I heard this right, within like a half hour or very, very soon, bang. Guess what else came out that day? Emails hacked emails from Podesta by WikiLeaks, who we know that the Trump folks were in communication with. So maybe there's an effort to stop the Access Hollywood tape. It didn't work. It comes out and tit for tat immediately Across the Atlantic, Julian Assange lets loose with emails intended to damage Hillary Clinton's campaign. And also, of course, to deflect attention uh, from the Access Hollywood tape. So, I mean, thing. So if there's a pattern of he paid off Stormy Daniels, he paid off, uh, what's her name, McDougal, he attempted to pay off, get rid of the uh, Access Hollywood tape. Uh, we are learning today from Ronan Farrow writing in the New, York, New Yorker that there was also a payment and I bet this, this guy is pissed off because he could have held out for more now that he sees what was being handed out. There was a payment to the doorman at Trump Tower. And this is uh, the, the doorman at Trump Tower for $30,000, also by the parent company of the National Enquirer. It was, they did to him what they did to uh, McDougal. Oh, that's a really great story. Here, sign over the rights. Those rights that will belong to us, but we're giving you tens of thousands of dollars for it, okay? So give us the rights. But they never intended, in both cases, to print the stories. They were acting as Trump's pals, grabbing the stories and then killing the stories. So the doorman story was about the fact, and, and Ronan Farrow says they've been, you know, trying to track down proof and have not thus far but they haven't been able to prove it because everybody else involved in the payoffs to keep this one quiet are staying true to the agreement. They're refusing to answer any questions. They being a woman 
who, the story goes, Trump impregnated, and uh, a child resulted uh, that the child, who'd now be in her, I guess, 30s, also refusing to uh, acknowledge her paternity, perhaps. Um, and this would be how it would work, that if a payment was made to a woman that Trump impregnated and she refuses to get an abortion, you can bet there's big money coming down there, right? And that kind of money, too, would have been the result of um, actions taken by Trump's attorney or fixer. So all of this stuff is a, a, an effort, obviously, by prosecutors to buttress the case, that there is an obvious pattern here, and it's of, frankly, illegal activity, violative of a number of laws. And it does explain why Trump seems particularly freaked. So my guess is he's going to fire him. My guess is he's going to get Rosenstein first. And if, Rosen, if whoever replaces Rosenstein doesn't sort of clip Mueller's wings, he'll go after Mueller. The fact of the matter is, is, the, is Trump is being painted into a corner here. Um, and for those of us who want him out, um, these are probably heady days. But for Americans concerned for their country, these are very, very unsettling and, uh, frankly, depressing times. So... Ronan Farrow, by the way, I saw him on TV this morning. So that's Mia Farrow's son. And supposedly his, her son by Woody Allen? That is definitely the son of Frank Sinatra. I mean, he flat out looks like... Frank Sinatra and Mia Farrow, Mia Farrow made a baby. That would be him. Quite clearly. <laughs> he's actually beautiful. I mean, he's for a man, he's way too beautiful. Uh, but as it turns out, he's a, he's a heck of an investigative reporter. Um, when I initially saw that he was in the journalistic game, I just assumed he was another, you know, celebrity kid who'd gotten a job by virtue of their name, um, but he's he's showing, he he's doing the job. I mean, he essentially is the one who took down uh, Weinstein, Steen, Stein, Steen, whatever he is. Um, so, never a dull moment, huh? And then, of course, there's Syria, what a mess. Jeez. And you couldn't watch a newscast uh, yesterday without seeing every... I suppose you could have watched Fox and not seen it. 
But all of this tape from Trump on the campaign trail, you know, making fun of Barack Obama and saying, God, what kind of an idiot, what kind of an idiot tells a country beforehand that you're going to take military action against them? And Trump said over and over and over again to his adoring crowds who cheered and went nuts, um, I take them by surprise and not blurt things out all over the media like fools. <laughs> so all of those kinds of sound bites were up yesterday, uh, you know, because Trump did exactly that and even worse, did it in this schoolyard taunt on Twitter. Uh, we got missiles. Are you get ready? They're coming your way. They're big. Did he say hard? They're big. They're hard. They're smart. I don't think he said hard. So uh, we now know, by the way, uh, because our you know satellites have shown that since Trump's tweet, the Syrians and Russians <laughs> have been very busy. They've been uh, gathering up all the stuff they don't want to have bombed and moving it. Yeah. Yeah. And you could argue that maybe Trump, again, just trying to help his pal Putin, did the tweet. Uh, but I, I wouldn't argue this because that would suggest the president is engaged in, you know, some kind of thought process as opposed to these sort of spasms of that are what passes for thought process in him um, that he might have done it exactly so uh, Putin could uh, safeguard some of his uh, equipment uh, oh dear so guys that's where we are what a what an amazing mess um, yeah, the New York Times reports here, I'll just so you know it's not me just babbling. Uh, the Syrian government has moved aircraft and is making taking pains to secure important weapons, systems. Military analysts have said Russia too has had several days now to move key personnel and equipment out of harm's way. Get ready, Russia. Well, he told them, and they're, they they listen. They're they're getting ready. Get ready, Russia, because they're coming. My missiles, they're nice. They're new. They're smart. Okay, we got a call. Hi, caller. Hi. Hi. Fine. Hey, Lynn. I don't. What I don't understand about the uh, chemical attack. This war, the civil war, has been going on, and there are deaths. There's been babies dying. There's been all kinds of young people, you know. Right. And now a chemical thing happens, and all of a sudden we're going to bomb them. Why aren't we concerned about the civil? Why aren't we concerned about the other deaths? 
it doesn't, there's no logic in it. I don't, I don't get it. No. I understand it's, you know, they're supposed to use chemical weapons. And that. Well, that's but why. You're not really concerned about the other part of it. No, no, of course not. But that, that's why. There's no credibility in that. Of course not. No, uh, we... So it's, it's all BS. Yes. I think you summed it, really it up. Is. I think you summed it up rather well. Our country under uh, Obama and under this uh, idiot um, has had no real uh, obvious desire to get involved in that mess. And so we have stood by mostly and, and watched uh, Assad literally destroy and kill his own people. It's amazing. And I really don't know what the answer is other than getting no. into another war, which right. might end up getting into with Russia. Exactly. Yeah, that's not a good solution. Right. There's no rule. Well, that Albright said there's no solution for. No, Syria. no. But I, I'll, you there know, really if you, you no, know, there isn't. It's and but if, if you look at it, you know, by virtue of the fact that we didn't go in, that then geopolitically created a vacuum. So Vladimir Putin, who wants again to bestride the world stage like you know the old days of the Soviet Union, he moved in, and so uh, and then Iran moved in. So you're right, uh, our absence allowed them to really get a toehold. So for us to go in now, you're correct, we would be risking the potential of um, essentially a war <laughs> between our forces and Russian forces and or Iranian forces, which uh, we have managed to avoid since, uh, you know, forever, right? So... This right. is, it's, it's a, um, I, my, my heart goes out to the poor people over there. God almighty. I mean, the, I always look at it that as the rush is going into these places, now I don't, I don't want to see people get killed and all that, but I, if I was the United States, let them use their weapons, let them use their men, just like Afghanistan, they were in there for 10 years, they pulled out, they put their tail between their legs and left, because the United States is kind of basically doing the same thing. Right. And let them expend themselves. Right. I mean, I don't understand that. Nobody wins. And laugh at them. Right. You know, you look at these countries. You, you stay you, out of it. You yeah. save money. You save men, of lives, women, whatever. You look at these countries, these little countries that the big guys always assume they can take. And you look at an Afghanistan, nobody Nobody takes Afghanistan. Ask the British. Ask the Russians. Ask the United States. Or Vietnam. You look at a little thing like Vietnam. They got what? Rice paddies. They're barefoot. They don't have anything. The Fr ask the French. And then it doesn't matter. You know, ask the French. And then we go right in. Did we pay any attention to, in Afghanistan to what had occurred <laughs> to the Russians and the Brits? No. Did we look at what in heaven's name had happened to the French in, uh, in Vietnam? Nope. Uh, this is always the case. Hubris. We can do it. And no, you can't. So, yeah. And, and, and I don't know. I don't, it's, one I, other thing I wanted to say. Yeah. Look at this Paul Ryan now. Here's a guy that for a career... He beat up on the poor, the elderly. He wants to get rid of the social net. Now, he has 20 years in there. I think 24 count his being in the staff. He gets the pension.
pension at age 50. I think he must be 50 in January. No, I, that's how I don't think so he's... So he gets a full pension, but yet he doesn't want you to have Social Security, Medicare. He wants to cut all yours, but I get I'm so wonderful, and I, I, I deserve it. Isn't this, this something? And here's the bastard who's, a, I should say, a Catholic. Nothing wrong with Catholics, but he's a hypocrite. He's yeah. a big hypocrite. Thank you. There's plenty of them. I couldn't have yep. said it better. Thank you. Appreciate okay, it. Okay, thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye. Bye, yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, boy. I had something, and I, it, it disappeared from my head. Let's see. Mike says, if you found out or knew that Trump was your daddy, would you confirm it? <laughs> Who's your daddy? Uh, cool. Mike says, I wouldn't even need a confidentiality agreement or a big payout. I, I, mean, I would take that dirty fact to my grave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Oh, yeah. Roger's off topic, is he? I heard there was a fun hockey game last night, says Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, I don't ever like blowouts like that, even if we're the ones doing the blowing. I, I just, yeah, I lose interest. Uh, but, yeah, that was a, a, that was a bit of a statement that was made <laughs> over at PBG last night, huh? But, you know, listen, where did I see somebody say, if you win by one point in overtime or you win by seven points, it all comes out the same on the little balance sheet. It's just a one, and slate gets wiped clean the next game, which is true. So we should, you know, I always, just everybody calm down. I suppose it was, it was a lot of fun to be at a game like that. Anyway, uh, Roger says, I heard there was uh, such a fun hockey game last night, but I was busy doing my patriotic duty by listening to my president. And I watched a special TV show on a national news channel. Boy, am I m a much more informed citizen. Did you know we're being taken over by stop? Oh, you were watching Hannity. <laughs> Man, Hannity, I guess, was really... D my son tried to get me to watch. I... I... I did turn it on, and I made it through maybe not even a minute, and I said, uh-uh, will not, cannot, just can't. Uh, yeah, he was spinning conspiracy theories left and right last night um, of why there is a cabal of, uh, yeah, Comey, Mueller, Stalinist, deep state, out to get Donald Trump. Uh, Trump, we know, was watching. Uh, all the more reason not to. Uh, Roger says, boy, I'm a much more informed citizen now. Yeah, right. But you think there's a good 30-some percent of America who's, who apparently just gobbles this stuff up and and thinks it is truth. The good news is, and I I do want to note it, not that I watch either show, but I know some of you are Rachel Maddow fans, that... Um, Rachel Maddow uh, has superseded 
uh, Hannity. They are opposite each other in uh, you know on your television screens every night at nine o'clock, and uh, she has been drawing uh, more viewers than than Hannity, and I believe that's a first. Uh, I mean, and it's a regular thing. It's like for an entire you know month uh, when they're doing the ratings. So. Um, she started making inroads uh, right after Trump's election, <laughs> and occasionally would defeat him among the, you know, the, the the demographic you want, which are the younger folks, 25 to 54, and uh, and now she she owns the she owns the slot uh, because she's besting him in all demos, total viewers. I don't know if I mean she gets the old farts. But the total number, um, she's absolutely. So apparently, um, while Fox still attracts more to their primetime lineup than MSNBC, MSNBC is coming on strong. And interestingly, I just want to point this out, the two shows that MSNBC has that are uh, showing just incredible growth are both shows anchored by women. That's Rachel Maddow and then Joy Reid, who they put on the weekend on Saturday and Sunday mornings. And she has produced the highest ratings in that slot in MSNBC's uh, history. And it has always befuddled me why... MSNBC, other than the fact that it just might be this thing that the guys who run these networks just can't believe that a lesbian and a black woman could possibly do better than the white men who always have the jobs. But I would think that they might get smart and, uh, and put Joy Reid where she belongs, which is Monday through Friday, prime time, because she is one smart cool cookie if you've never seen her so the fact of the matter is is uh yeah uh msc in these times and again you thank donald trump uh for that he's been better for growth in all liberal sectors uh in terms of voters in terms of like planned parenthood ACLU membership, anything that is perceived as, you know, standing in the other camp has been gaining uh, members. Um, so there you have it. There's also, uh, apparently, if you look at the ratings, there seems to be uh, some evidence that Fox's audience is shrinking by virtue of the fact that its audience is getting depressed, <laughs> literally. Well, join the crowd is getting, you know, just really not enjoying it. So that's just what's uh, happening in TV land. And I did, because um, I don't watch these shows uh, normally, so my son made me uh, try to watch Hannity, which I could not. So I did get over to Rachel Maddow, and 
I hadn't watched her show for a long time, and I was blown away by what my, then I was reminded very quickly of what my sister had said months ago about false eyelashes. Because I'm looking right now on my computer of a picture, a screenshot of Rachel Maddow, and it had to have been taken before the false eyelash thing. She doesn't appear to be wearing much makeup. And you look at Rachel Maddow now, now that she's the queen of the ratings in her hour, and damn, even Rachel Maddow, she's got she's got eyelashes that are like out to here. They look absurd. So that was the first time I saw them. I thought, oh, God, what the hell? I freaked. So I understand now what my sister was saying. Rachel, dear, you looked wonderful before, and you look like you. Jeez. This is the kind of pressure, I can just imagine it, this is the kind of pressure that women on television are under, and even Maddow has capitulated. I wish someone would tell her it doesn't make her look better. It makes her look silly. Mascara on your own lashes would be just fine. You don't need those. It looks like tarantulas hanging off your lids. It does. It's just crazy. Just saying. God dang. Oh. Okay. Henry says, I may not have been paying attention but I noticed that Fox's tagline is no longer fair and balanced. Instead, the tagline is real news, real, honest opinion. Well, so, I mean, it's the same snake oil that fair and balanced. They were not fair and they were not balanced. They are not real news and they are not honest. Okay, so, I mean, it's the same. So, you're right. I guess they have changed their... um, their thing, as and Henry points out, the opposite of fake news would be real news, right? So that's what they're telling their uh, gullible fans. You want the real news, you come here. You know, I mean, I was talking the other day about how Trump actually patches on speakerphone uh, like Lou Dobbs into meetings that he's having with his cabinet, with uh, senior senior staff. When you look at Fox, you are looking at uh, a true, not only a propaganda arm, but uh, a, a propaganda that is totally, totally uh, wedded to the White House. And it's unclear at times who's leading who, right? Who's leading whom? It's just unclear. Although I think we're starting to see more and more that it is the president being led. I mean, if he could, he would have Sean Hannity as his secretary of state. I mean, he's taken a lot of folks from Fox and put them in the White House. Um, But I, I think he feels that Hannity serves him uh, better in his position as chief propagandist of the state. 
Chuck writes, you said earlier that you feel we're on the eve of something big, about to break. We can only hope. You are right. I've been hoping for that for a year now, and still nothing. What a huge letdown it will be if nothing comes from this investigation that results in Trump's downfall. I have little doubt it will result in Trump's downfall. All of this is so much bigger than anything they had on Nixon. But of course, those were times when even when the institutions held more and Republicans in the end did the honorable thing. I, I don't think we can assume that will happen. You're, you're right. And Chuck says, and here is an interesting scenario. What if Mueller's investigation does indeed take down Trump and perhaps Pence prior to Ryan's departure? Yeah. I thought that too when uh, Ryan said he's leaving. I thought, why leave now? There was a chance you could maybe become the president. <laughs> I guess he doesn't think that's going to happen. Uh, technically, if it would happen uh, before Ryan says he's stepping down, I can see him changing his mind <laughs> because he doesn't want to be a weekend dad. Well, fine. He This way he'd be living in the White House and his kids could leave Janesville and come uh, live in the White House with him. Speaking, by the way, of his, uh, of his congressional seat, uh, some of you may be aware that he was uh, in uh, the toughest campaign for re-election, um, and the main there are two Democrats vying for the uh, in the primary there. The one that's getting the most ink is a is a guy, an iron worker, heavy union guy. His name is Randy Bryce, and uh, people call him the Iron Stash because he's got a big mustache. And uh, he's a pretty impressive character, and uh, I would think he's got a good shot now of, uh, of perhaps winning uh, that district. Who knows? I must say that until now, there had been only one other Republican other than uh, the Speaker uh, in the running, in the primary, who, of course, didn't have much of a chance. But now he's, by virtue of uh, Ryan pulling out, he's the only uh, Repub Republican. And his name is Paul Nealon. And just so you know, this guy is an unavowed anti-Semite and white nationalist. He's just a flat-out Nazi. So that's who the Republicans have now with Ryan out. <laughs> The Republicans, of course, are disavowing Mr. Nealon. But it's funny how all these white nationalists and anti-Semites and bigots, David Dukes, when they do run, they don't run in the Demo Democratic Party, no. They run in the party that they feel comfortable in. And that, of course, is the Republican Party. We have a caller. Hello. Hello, caller. Hi, Lynn. Yes. Johnson Greensboro. Hi. But, uh, hey, Lynn, but remember, Lincoln was a Republican. <laughs> yeah. What are, what are black people thinking when, they're, when they remain on these Democratic plantations with their slave mentalities? 
Lincoln was a Republican. Yeah, isn't that something? The, 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 the Civil Rights Act wouldn't have passed without Republicans in the Senate and the House. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that entirely relevant today? Oh, yeah. You know what? I was reading a book. Uh, it's called Smoketown about Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh's black community in the uh, early 20th century. And um, it said that the Pittsburgh Courier was uh, largely responsible, played a huge role in the 30s of telling black Americans who had voted solidly Republican because of their love of Abraham Lincoln. But the courier informed them, Yoo-hoo! <laughs> Things have changed, guys. You see this FDR guy? He now is the one you want to vote for. So, you know, you can love Lincoln, but come on over because it's the Democratic Party right now that will help you the most. So... Uh, that was interesting, and uh, the courier had a big reach and uh, a lot of power. So there's yeah, that. Yeah, I wanted to. This is actually the first time. This is actually the first time I've uh, called for a little while. I got a bit busy after uh, the. Um, I think about close to a month ago, at least. Uh, and I think even you were a little taken aback. I uh, I mentioned how uh, it was after some, you know. Uh, absurd reference in the right wing media to uh, you know Barack Hussein Obama again, and I had, I think I had just had it at that point, and I was talking about you know I went on a little mini rant about you know Willard Romney and uh, you know um, Nakata I I still don't think I pronounced her name correctly um, uh, Haley uh, and and just how. Uh, you know, I, I, that wasn't me having a macaca moment. I want to assure everyone of that. But what it was was that I think I just I've reached the stage where, in response to you know one of the Trump campaign slogans, you know, along with other such winners as "Lock Her Up" and "Trump That Bitch," uh, was you know "F blank blank K your feelings." Do I remember that? Do we remember that? No. You know because. Uh, all of us liberals have such delicate snowflake sensibilities. Yeah. So they came up with, you know, the bumper sticker, F blank blank K, your feelings. Well, you know what? Okay, then, F blank blank K, yours too. Yeah. I'm not going to hold back anymore. I'm not going to be a milk toast. I, I think it's, you want to get real, we'll get real. And I've even been called out on it by other people of my own political persuasion. I mean, uh, for example... I've taken to call to calling uh, Melania Trump, you know, the first gold digger, because frankly, that's what she is. There's a name for men or for women and for men as well, although it's a little rarer, who marry much older people who are unattractive and boorish for their wealth and social status. And we know that's what she did, and we know that's why she remains, and so that's what she is. And I had liberals tell me, you're, you're slut-shaming. No, time to stop being the milk toast. you, you got to stop being nice. Okay. We played, the, we played, their, we played their game and, 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 and tried to respond as we thought we should. It hasn't worked out well, has it? 
Okay. Sorry. I just want to. Okay. Think about, think about what what kind of invective was was in, was, was I know. applied to to the Obamas. Uh, yeah. Think about it, to their children, to Michelle Obama. Oh, I understand. But as Michelle Obama said, when they go low, we how does that work out? All right. I How know that's your out? point. That's your point. Okay. Well, thank you very much, John. <laughs> John is not turning the other cheek. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Um, remember the golden rule? Well, I understand where, yeah. Anyway, this, uh, we were talking about, uh, well, the caller earlier was talking about uh, the fact that uh, Paul Ryan, who just loves uh, taking money away from poor people um, and taking security away from poor people, uh, will himself live in secure luxury for the rest of his life by virtue of the fact that he was supposedly a public servant. And so we, the people, including all those poor people, uh, will fund his life for the rest of it uh, with pensions, with great health care, all the things that he himself does not think the government should do for anybody else. It is mind-blowing. So that brings me to the guy who held the job before before he, before Ryan, and that is John Boehner, the uh, Speaker of the House who got smart and jumped off the ship real early. And uh, John Boehner uh, went home to Ohio and uh, by all accounts is enjoying himself uh, immeasurably and also, as we know, uh, living high on the hog but doesn't have to have a job or anything because uh, we are supporting him for the rest of his life. Again, another guy who didn't waste a lot of energy thinking about the least of us. So John Boehner is in the news again, and he's in the news because all of a sudden he has come out. He has had a change of heart. And he, who was one of the most, well, he I'll use his words, he was unalterably opposed to legalization of marijuana, okay? And every measure he ever supported or pushed in his very powerful position as speaker uh, was to ensure that marijuana would continue to be a crime. Well, look what's happened to John Boehner. He now thinks, well, he uses the term that politicians used. His thinking has evolved. And lo and behold, what evolved, <laughs> what evoluted, his thinking on marijuana? The chance to cash in on it real easily. 
by really not doing a damn thing. The chance to be on the board of directors of one of the largest pot corporations that now exist. And that is an entity called Acreage Holdings. <laughs> God. Acreage Holdings. And he wants to join the board. I guess he did join the board. And so in order to be on the board of a corporation that is, uh, you know, making money. By the way, they are operating in 11 states where cannabis is legal. Um, that means that John Boehner, who is, as I said, already living the high life at our expense, will be living the high life because marijuana is now legal. So he'll be cashing in. Stop and think about it. When he had power, He was rocked ribbed against your ability to have access to marijuana. He passed legislation that put untold thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people, mostly people of color, in jail for long periods of time because they maybe sought to make a little money off of marijuana. Stop and think about it. So even as he comes out and says, I'm now on the board of this marijuana corporation, and my feelings have evolved, there are people in jails all over this country, in prisons all over this country, who are still serving sentences because of the legislation that John Boehner supported and passed. And he has the gall now to do what they we're doing on this teeny-weeny little scale and to enrich himself. Despicable. Now, if John Boehner and his feelings about cannabis had truly evolved and he, because of that, had gone out and started to work to change the laws, not for his own. <laughs> He'll be looking to change the laws now, yeah, right. But that's so he can get richer. But if instead he had gone back and tried to pass legislation that would let all of these people out of jail and to have their records expunged so that their lives are not ruined 
If you let all the people out of jail who were trying to make some money selling pot, you could fill, you could fill a stadium with them and maybe fill it again and again and that they will still be imprisoned, their lives destroyed, while John Boehner goes out and does exactly the same thing they are in prison for, but on a larger scale. And the only difference is, is that when they did it, people like him had made it an illegal act. Think of the lives that have been ruined because of the criminalization of marijuana. It's hard to even get your head around how huge that impact is, especially on people of color. And if this guy would instead use his influence to remedy that wrong, I would have respect for him, as it is. There they are. Paul Ryan, see ya. Living the good life on the backs of the poor people. See ya, says John Boehner. Living the high life on the backs of poor people, many of whose families have been destroyed by virtue of the laws he supported until he didn't. All right, and uh, now a quick heads up. This is beyond belief. Remember we had uh, 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 the, I think her, her position was chair of Fair uh, Districts, PA, on the show, talking about the effort to amend the Constitution of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania so that when we redraw legislative and congressional district lines, the politicians don't get to do it, that instead a neutral commission of people would do it. This is something that other states have done. Well, guess what, guys? The bill that would do that was in committee yesterday. Guess whose committee? Daryl Metcalf. And do you know what Daryl Metcalf did to that effort that has been so long? And he destroyed it. In his committee, on a totally partisan vote, Republicans for, Democrats against, he amended the bill and destroyed it. He amended it so that, guess what? The politicians absolutely have the power to redraw congressional and legislative district lines. 
That's what he did. And a sort of funny aside, the, where I learned about this story was uh, a piece written by uh, Stephen Caruso, who just a month ago was sitting where Amy is right now. <laughs> Stephen was my producer. And he left to take this job in Harrisburg reporting on the horrors there. And it's interesting because I had just, we had messaged each other yesterday, texted each other, and I'd asked him how it was going, and he said, man, I mean, he was talking about the cesspool. How he's getting quite an education. But he he wrote a story explaining it, and in his story he quotes um, the woman who was on her show, and needless to say, she was uh, very, very, very upset because all of that work, and it was by, I mean, there was a lot of bipartisanship in getting this as far as it had gone, and um, she said this, Daryl Metcalf just spit in the face of the sponsors, the colleagues, the constituents, and advocates who have supported an independent redistricting commission. The governor said similarly, after the last few months it should be clear that the solution to our broken redistricting system is not putting more power in the hands of partisan politicians. This is wrong and it is an affront to our democracy. Yes, yes, yes. And here's what Daryl Metcalf said. There is no greater citizens commission than the General Assembly. Who needs a citizens commission when we've got me? My dream is to see this guy taken down. I don't think there is a more abusive person in power in our state. He holds a position of power by virtue of his committee chairs and he literally is a dictator. It doesn't matter how many, there were hundreds of sponsors of this legislation, fellow legislators from both sides of the aisle and he just If there's any way that we, uh, some of you might live in his district, if there's any way to turn him out, please, is there some way we can get to work and go after this guy? He's a homophobe. He has stood in the way. You know, this state does not have protection for, for gays in employment. Or in any, because, again, he's the one who, you look at what's holding this state back from entering the, you know, 20th century. And you will always draw a direct line to Daryl Effen Metcalf.
And I must say, uh, I looked to see if the Post-Gazette had the story, and they did, but they didn't. It is the most incomprehensible bunch of garble I've ever read. Did not put anything in context. Did not explain, you know, that this had been in the offing. Did not talk to anybody from fair districts or the other side. I'm glad I was aware of Stephen and his his work. Beth writes, of all the news yesterday, I find Paul Ryan leaving the most interesting. Why do you think he is leaving? Is it, one, he might not win his Wisconsin seat? Yeah. Is it Republican crazies looking to oust him as speaker? Mm-hmm. Is it the uh, Congressional Budget Office announcement of the deficit going way up, disproving his economic genius? Is it perhaps the mention of being a weekend dad and this fast announcement? Is there some sort of marital infidelity? No, no, I don't think that. I wouldn't go there. Is it hearing inside whispers of the investigation? and that he has to move for impeachment and thus political suicide? Or with all of the above, his private sector market value is going down, and thus get out now so you can cash in? Well, I think mostly all of the above without the infidelity thing. Um, yeah, he goes out as spineless as ever. He, he lauded Donald Trump on his way out. He goes out as a lying, spineless hypocrite. Exactly what he always was. Beth writes, don't forget that as speaker, I know I'm over. I'm just going to get my emails in. As speaker, he gets a large sum after he leaves office to open an office to archive all of his documents. While he was speaker, I believe there's no time limit. Thus, I think we are still paying. We're still paying for Newt Gingrich and his office. And Dennis Hastert, who's now in jail, right? Or did he come out? I don't know. I'm not sure if he still has the perk. Did they take that away, or are we still paying for that child-abusing creep? We're talking about Republican speakers of the House, the most disgusting bunch. Quickly, just finishing off emails. If I put a picture on Facebook of my vacation spot, grandkids, or anything to do with Ohio State football, I will get 100 likes. I mostly stay away from political stuff on Facebook, but I recently put the photo of Trump and the bunny on the balcony of the White House. I made what I thought was a clever comment that Trump was explaining to the largest group of kids ever assembled why an egg roll had nothing to do with Chinese food. You know how many replies I got? Two. Either I'm not as funny as I think, or people have begun to be afraid of being seen critical of Trump in front of friends and family. It's as if they fear it will be harmful. I wouldn't read too much into it. Or maybe I'm the one who's paranoid. Nice game by the Penguins. The Columbus Blue Jackets hockey team tanked. Uh, lost on purpose, actually, their last game to avoid the Pens in the playoffs. <laughs> no, I don't know. Looks like they made a good choice. Okay, quickly. Brooke. When Ryan was giving his little speech yesterday, he mentioned that he felt his two biggest accomplishments are the new tax code and the rebuilding of the military. I would like to remind him that neither of those would have been possible without a puppet president willing to sign any piece of crap that landed on his desk. An accomplishment would have been a tax code so fair that even President Obama would have signed it. In November, let's not forget all those years of Ryan and Boehner stonewalling uh, President 
Obama. Absolutely right. And uh, just one more quickly, Scott, this is replying to yesterday's show about getting around in Pittsburgh and how it's a diagonal city. Scott says, I'm listening to the yesterday's show. I moved here from L.A. 25 years ago. The one important thing I've learned about driving in Pittsburgh is if you know how to get to a place, always go that way. Don't fool yourself into thinking there's a shortcut because there isn't one. You will always wind up driving in the opposite direction with no way to turn around. On that brilliant note from Scott from Crescent, we will say adieu and I'll see you tomorrow. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.